Welcome back to What's the Value? Uh, today's guest was Immacula Paul. And Immacula um, helped me think about a question that I think about a lot. And I appreciate her a lot for that. Um, one of the things I worry about, maybe most often, is that the number one skill of our minds is to spin narratives. It's to rationalize create narratives or stories that just make us feel better. Not because they're true, not because they're in our best interest, but because in the moment it seems to make us feel better and it makes things make sense. And that's all we really care about. And I worry about that because then I wonder, do we ever, ever actually assess our lives and ourselves accurately? Do we ever get to the truth about ourselves or do we just settle for what's comforting and the stories our minds tell us? And I think this conversation with Immaculate in some ways got right to the very heart of that question. So let me step back for a second as a bit of an intro. So, so Immacula, um, you'll hear this in the discussion, and I appreciate her for getting into it. Uh, over 20 years ago, she was in she was in a dark place, as she said. It. She was in a violent relationship with domestic violence with her partner. Um, it did what you'd imagine, right? It destroyed her self-esteem, her identity, destroyed her self-worth, all those things. Um, fortunately, after she gave birth to her daughter, she decided she wanted better for herself um, and, and that she needed better for herself. And she created this new vision about what she wanted to do. And, and today she's the owner of a real estate company um, whose who's, who's mission is to help connect and nurture individuals who feel lost, women like her who are in distress and help them find their purpose and get home ownership and feel like they can find some level of safety and, and normalcy again. Um, and we talked about all that and we talked about domestic violence and we talked about what it feels like to be in that relationship and why it's so hard to get out and, and why shame comes into it and things that I could never understand from where I sit, but she helped me to understand a little bit better. But back to the point I made in the beginning, if I wanted to, I could take a very cold, cynical look at, at Immaculate's story and say, yeah, of course, she did the very obvious thing, right? She was in a horrible situation. She was in a domestic violence situation and her mind did what we do, right? It created a narrative or a story that made it make sense. Like she, it became her purpose, right? To, to, to sell real estate to women who are in a similar situation. Um, and, and that's what our minds do because it has to, because what's the alternative to believe life is just that shitty and that the things she suffered were for no reason. Like, no, of course not. Our minds are going to make us feel better. But what Immaculate helped me realize is that, um, you don't, that could all be logically true that our minds do that in a case like this, but that doesn't have to be, you don't have to look at it through a cold and cynical lens. You could look at it and appreciate it and say, well, that's, that's what life is. That's part of what makes life beautiful because you can go through these horrible things. You could look at a life with so much suffering and pain and still find a way to have optimism and hope and love your life and love life in general. And that in many ways is what Immaculate did. So don't get me wrong, right? I'm still going to worry about our minds and the flaws they have and their, their desire and need to comfort us and spin stories to make us feel better because there's risk in that. We do have to be worried about that. But Immaculate helped me balance that with an appreciation for what that also does to help us overcome and, and, and rise above adversity. And I thank her a ton for that. I hope you guys enjoy the conversation as, as much as I did and find it as interesting. And thanks as always for listening. All right, Immaculate, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And I will go to the first question of what's the value that's most important to you and guides your life? 
Um, the value that's most important to be beside my family, of course, is the ability to help um, individuals become home ownership, especially women of distress, women that have suffered um, domestic violence, providing them the necessary um, guidance that they would need when it comes to purchasing their home, finding a secure and safe place, not only for themselves, but for their family, especially the right now in today's society, it's very hard to find the resources that we need. So I do that within myself and my company and provide that value. You, but the most important beside my work is my family. Well, that's interesting because I think there's a connection there, right? It's almost of as course. if you, because family is so important to you and you see how important it is to, to have a home and a, and a safe home and a stable home, you want to give that to other people, right? It's almost that's as if there's that connection. Is that right? That is correct. There is a connection there um, for me. And most importantly, it's a personal connection. That's why I'm able to provide such service to them and um, to others that comes to me when they're necessary. Yeah, and I think, you know, some people may not know your story. I know a bit of it from from your profile online. So maybe talking about that a little bit, like, where, where did this come from? This this value to want to help people, particularly people in distress, um, help them find homes and navigate that process. What's the what's the background on that? Um, the background on that, which is um, in 1997, I was a survivor and I'm a proud survivor to say of domestic violence. And during that time, it took me a long time to figure out what I wanted to do and even to get away from that uh, specific relationship because I was afraid of fear. I was afraid of homelessness. I was mm -hmm. afraid of losing my financial stability and security that I thought within myself that I needed or had um, rather. When, when in reality, once I left, I didn't have any of those things and I've lost everything everything. And in 1998, when my daughter was born, I found that there was a light within myself that I needed to um, find a secure place for them. I didn't want no longer to be no longer be in that situation in that safe place because it wasn't bringing any value for me. And it was very contagious and contaminated, not only to myself, but for my family. And what I realized is that one out of four women suffer the same thing that I have suffered. And because of they're afraid of being home, um, being homeless, and they're afraid of the financial instability, they stay in the relationship. And that was my story as well. So what I do is um, provide the service to let them know that I've been there. And I understand, and you don't have to stay there and you don't have to be there. And there are resources that's able to help you. There are people like you and there are people like me. And I'm a living testimony that I, if I'm able to get out of that situation, the circumstances, you are able to get out as well. Mm -hmm. So that's why this is more, it's like, it's my, I would say my therapy when mm -hmm. I'm able to do that because I bring and I see the value that I bring to them and they understand because there's someone, they, they think within themselves, you know what? This person understand me, they have been there. So it's not that someone that speak, but never walk the walk. Mm. I speak it and I walk the walk and I talk the walk. Mm. So that's the difference. And this is my story and this is their story yeah. as well. And I think, you know, just to dive into it a little bit, if, if you're comfortable with it, I, I think it's interesting, both from, from exactly what you're saying, like the empathy that allows you to be as good at your job as you are, but also just on a very personal level. When you talk about that experience, when you, when you are in that dark place, I think as, as you had worded it, um, like for someone like me, let me say this, and I say this completely genuinely with all due respect and just trying to understand it. It's so hard to put yourself in that position and understand it. And, and as you said, right, there's fear of, of homelessness and what are you gonna do? And obviously there's, there's domestic violence and there's all the horror that comes with that. Can you just talk a little bit more for yourself and I guess ultimately some of your clients that you work with, what that kind of mental process is like? Is it, 
Is it just that that fear of homelessness overrides everything else and you feel like it could be worse than this? Mm-hmm. Um, what was like the, the back and forth going on in your mind when you were when you were living through that? Um, the back and forth that was going through my mind is, is it my fault? Mm. Maybe if I stay, maybe things will change. Mm. Maybe it's something I did. Or if I change myself or do things differently, would that be okay? You know, so, but in reality, it was never okay. Mm. It, it's, it was never my fault, but we sometimes blame ourselves and think that if we change ourselves, maybe things will change. It is a mental control, honestly, not only for when I was in that situation, but for others, because mm. we feel that we cannot survive. We cannot go on or move forward our lives without that partner. When in reality, we have so much to offer. We have so much tenacity, which we have so much strength within ourselves that we can do this. As women, we are capable of doing phenomenal and wonderful and supernatural things, not only for ourselves, but for our family and whoever that come and encounter with us. We have that aura and that vibe and that spirit to do anything that we are capable of doing. But what do you do when someone else have the control of your mind, your physical being, your spirit within yourself, and you feel as though that you incapable of doing anything. So it's a mental control, a physical control, and a spiritual control in every aspect of it, if you look at it. And what what do you think is behind that? Because as exactly as you said, right, you're you're you seem to be and 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 every woman, right, has that power, has that ability. What do you think is at the root of getting to that place of feeling like, no, I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm incapable. Maybe it's me. That sensation of that. Like, I get it. I'm not dismissing it at all. I, I could totally imagine being in that situation and feeling that way. But I guess I'm just trying to say, like, what's underneath that that you think allowed you to get to that place? Is it is it just fear? Is it that fear has to start thinking in crazy ways? Or is it more deep rooted than that, you think? I believe it's fear. Hmm. It's fear. Everyone is different. But for me, it was the fear. And especially if you don't have the support from friends or family or whatever, and you feel alone. Remember, in that situation, you are isolated. They make sure that you are isolated from your friends, your family, or or any loved one that seems to love you and want to support. And you don't want to talk to anybody about it because you are embarrassed, not Mm -hmm. only of the scars, physical scars, mental scars, and the spiritual scars that they have embedded within you. So when you get to that point where you say, you know what, enough is enough, everyone's spark is different. My spark was my daughter when I had her their spark can be you know they're walking down the street or they see a a situation or it could be a church or it could be someone that just say one word to them everyone is different but mine was my daughter and then I realized there's this is not right Mm. this is something wrong I cannot leave and continue to be in that situation of circumstances and I have a daughter I have to do better that's when I started re- reevaluate myself, reevaluated my mind, reevaluated what I wanted to do and change my perspective of mm-hmm. myself, my life and see that I have value and I'm able to do this and I'm capable to do this on my own mm-hmm. and still provide for my children in every aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Do you think had you not had your daughter that you would have gotten there anyway? Or do you think for you personally, you needed that spark, as you said it, you needed your daughter to come into your life for that to happen? I believe eventually that I would have got there, but she made it more prominent. 
Let's say that she made it instantaneously. It, it just happened. Once I got pregnant, I realized that I had to go. I would have got there eventually, but how long would it have taken? Yeah. Everyone is different. Their circumstances, the situation, the process, the healing is different. And with your daughter, was it, I guess I, would, I could assume maybe it was a literal sensation of like, I don't want her to have to experience this. It, it's one thing for me to have to do it. And as you said, maybe you feel isolated and your kind of mind's under control and you feel like I can't overcome this myself. But now the equation changed. Like if my daughter has to go through this, that's not an option. Like I have to figure out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's why I feel like this is no longer an option for me. If it was me, okay, I can probably deal with it and eventually grow out of it. But now I have a, a, a young girl, a little girl that I just brought into this world or that's like brewing and trying to figure out what to do. So I have to change the way that I do things. I have to give her a safe and secure environment, not only for me, I, I needed that the, um, the environment to change, not only for me, but for my daughter as well, because I have to set that example. I can't be in a situation where she see that her mother is getting abused and think that it's okay. Mm-hmm. We, we ha- I have to remove myself from that environment. And that's when I took that stand for myself and say, I'm removing myself from that dark place and for that environment and change my, the way that I perceive and see things yeah. for her and for myself. So totally different, obviously, but in some ways, so relatable for me because I, I, I have a son who's about eight years old now, and there was a change in me too. I think for many people, they can relate to that. You have a kid and it, and it changes you. I think your situation is, is more extreme than, than most and, and more unique in that way. But I just wonder, like, sometimes I wonder, like, how do I feel about that? On almost like a philosophical level, like, am I okay with the fact that it took me having a son to realize things maybe I should have realized before? And in your example, right? Like for yourself, the sentiment that you don't want your daughter to grow up in that, but you don't deserve to have to grow up in that either. And and Mm -hmm. I know we touched on this a little bit, but I just wonder like, when you think back on that, obviously it seems it worked out for the best and and it worked out in a way that is good, but do you have any regrets? Do you have any like sour feelings about that? Like, I wish it didn't have to be that I had to have a child for me to realize these things. Oh, of course, definitely. For sure. We have regrets. We wish that we did things differently. We can go back and change the hands of time. But the reason why I stayed for so long and it took my daughter to come along is because I and, and it's so chaotic because in the midst of all that stuff, we as women, we still don't want to break the family. Mm. We don't want to break the family. And like the responsibility there almost. Exactly. Yeah. It's like it's a responsibility. We have to stay. Huh. But what do you, if I could ask, what do you think that is it is it external where you, you're worried about what other people might say? Or is it just very internal to you where you feel like this is important? I need to keep this together. I believe it's both. I believe that is that image externally and as well as internal. We don't want to be failures to mm. our children mm. as parents. We don't want to be failures to our children. We want to set that example for them and see that, you know what, there is a mother and a father in the house. And this is supposed to be stable, but mm. in the background, it's not really stable. The kid suffers at the end if you stay in a toxic environment, to be honest. Yeah, yeah you're not yeah. doing them any favors in that way. Yeah. So how do you carry this forward in your business, right? So obviously it sounds like you work with a lot of women who are maybe in a similar situation or the same situation mm-hmm. as you. Knowing what you know from, from a business perspective, but also on a very personal level, how do you try and approach that? How do you try and kind of comfort them and get them to understand there is there are options there for them 
First, I start off by letting them know that they are very encouraging and they are strong to be there in the first place. Then I go off with my story. And you should see how light, like their eyes just light up. It just get lit. And because they don't know that there is someone like me. She understand me and she's been there. She can relate. Mm -hmm. And I tell, once I tell my story, they no longer feel ashamed or they don't longer feel like, you know, I have to hide this or keep this away from anyone or, you know, my family. Now, bear in mind, it took me 20 years to speak about this. Wow. Okay. It was just recently while I was in a program, incubator program for my um, business and, um, Pre-COVID, I opened it in 2020, and then I was trying to figure out what is my purpose, what is my service. Six months into it, I got into this incubator program, and my mentor asked me, you know, why did you open your business? I didn't have really an answer for her, and then immediately my story came to me, and I stated to her why I opened up my business, why I pivoted this way, because I don't believe that my counterparts or my competitors we're targeting these women because most of the time we get pushed away by the wayside. Yeah, we sell real estate. Yeah, we get people into home ownership and everything else. But what about us? Mm. Mm. They always forget about us, the women that suffers, the women that's been abused, the women that, you know, that's going through at that moment, the women that's in the shelters. Mm. What happened to them? Yeah, we get into a place and that's it. But we want to become homeowners. We want to become entrepreneurs. We mm. want to become something that just that, mm. you know. So um, once I talk to them and they understand, they have that feeling that, you know, she can relate. It's no longer a defense mode. It's an approach mode. They open up to me and let me know that. Please help me. And mm. I thank you that you have told your story. And I understand that you can relate to me. Do you think that comes from a place of, I'm guessing here, speculating, but that fear of judgment, kind of as you talked about, that insecurity of maybe it's me, maybe it's my fault. Once they they find out someone like you's out there that's been through it, that fear of judgment goes away. They go, oh, you understand why this was so hard. You understand that yeah. this isn't my fault, but I still think it might be my fault. And just as an example, if they were talking to me, there's just not that trust there. There's not, not, I don't know if trust is the right word, but there's not that understanding of that empathy of like what it's actually mm -hmm. like to be in that situation. Cause any of us can try and imagine, but we can't really understand mm -hmm. it. Do you think that's what it is? It removes that fear I, of judgment. Yeah, I think that's what it is because you can't understand until you've been in their shoes. Mm. Anyone can say that, you know, I understand that. I, I hear that you've gone through hardship. You've gone through domestic violence or whatever. I've never been through it, but I understand. Wait a minute. How can you understand? Can't understand. Yeah. You've never been through it. Yeah. You just only can hear my story, but you've never been through it. But if you hear someone that's been through it, that's been through the trauma, that's been through the dark, that's trying to figure out life and the mental state of it and the controlling part of it in the midst of the relationship, then you can relate. Mm. That's the difference. Yeah. And yeah. for you, you know, you mentioned it took 20 years. What, what was it like that first time you told the story? Was it scary? Like, what was the emotions going through your head? It felt such a relief yeah. because I was afraid and embarrassed to tell the story. And if believe it or not, once I finished telling that story, I say, please make sure that you don't embarrass me with that story. Oh. And don't what's the embarrassment, Immaculate? What, what's, it, <laughs> if you play it out, like what was it that people were going to think you're weak, that people were going right, to think you like, 
like I'm worthless, I'm weak. Like, how can that, did she let that happen to her? How can she stay in that relationship that long? Why did she let that happen to her? You know, how, 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 like why? And if that was me, I would have already left the relationship already. I would have never let a man do that to me, you know, whatever, but you don't know un yeah. unless you are there. Yeah. So, and but it just felt right? That's that, that judgment that gets removed, probably exactly right. When, when you're talking to somebody who's been through it and they know you've been through it, they know you're not going through that in your head of like, how could you allow that to happen? Because you know how, like you understand what it's like to be in that place. That is correct. Yeah. yeah. That is correct. Yeah. yeah. That's the beautiful part of it because now when I tell the story, it's like, it's just, I don't have any fear or embarrassment of someone would judge me. There's no judgment there anymore, mm. you know? And I just feel relief that maybe one day somewhere somehow in the universe someone will hear the story and say that you know what she can relate to me mm. and she understands me and i can talk to her mm. and see how she can direct me to the resources that will help me in the future yeah have, have so you run into any situations where you have been judged or you felt like people have looked at you like right that and, and you know you know what if they have I don't pay attention okay. to it. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. I don't see it anymore. But prior to that, telling the story, I was very much so. I was. But now, now nah, it doesn't matter to me. Can I ask, and, and apologies if this is, I hope you understand where I'm coming from this. Do you think at the root of it, it's because you had those questions? Like you, was it you that had to work it out that like to come to the understanding of like, no, I shouldn't be embarrassed. Like, I, I I did the best I could do in that situation. Do you think it was more internal to you in that? That's why I believe so. what other people think. Yeah. I truly believe so. It's an internal thing because we are so hard on ourselves mentally mm. and internally, and we are so judgmental of ourselves and our circumstances, our situations that, you know, we think that, okay, maybe this person is going to judge me in reality. Sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. And who cares? Who cares, right? That's their who problem, not, not your problem. It's their problem. So I truly believe, yes, it was an internal thing for mm. me and the fear of others judging me because I was in that situation and I stayed that long and I allow it to happen mm. to me. Mm. Yes. Yeah. It's, so I, I'm curious <laughs> on the business side of it. You know, to, to take this to the level of saying, hey, I, I'm going to start a business that helps people that were in the position I'm in. Is that something that you ever expected? And I guess, what do you think, what, what drives you to that? Because it's, it's service, right? You're doing, obviously, it's a business. You're making money off it. I get that. But mm -hmm. there's more to it for you. You're trying to bring mm -hmm. some service to the world. What is that rooted in? Is it, is it just a general sense of it's the right thing to do? Is it spiritual or, or faith-driven in some way? Like what, what's, what made you say, okay, it's one thing I got out of it, but now I want to help other people get out of it? Um, what drives me to, to reach to that point to, to help these women to get out of the situation? It's a culmination of spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, and everything that comes with um, the service. When I was going through my situation, I had no resources, mm. no help. And if they were there, I didn't know. And no one, I felt that I was alone during the time that I was going through what I was going through. For these women, I know that they feel like there's no resources, they are alone, that there's no one that they can trust, that there's no one that they can talk to, that there's no one that would understand where they are. 
So it's a culmination of all these things, seeing that, the, that I have the ability to help, to provide this service, to say, it's okay, you've been in the situation. However, you don't have to stay in that situation. Yes. You can get out and do something better. Be better, not only for yourself, but for your children and become that entrepreneur, become that homeowner, become that self-worth that you lost along the way. You could get it all back. Mm. I've lost my self-esteem, my self-worth. Everything came, it's just a full stop. Mm. Me providing that service, let me know that I can do something greater and better in the universe, in the universe for these women that they feel like they are no longer in darkness, in the dark, in the corner somewhere that no one see them. I let them know that I see you. Mm. I understand. And it's okay. You don't have to be afraid anymore. You don't have to be embarrassed. We will shine together because I've been in the darkness where you have been. So it's beautiful to me. It is. And, and I wonder, like, on a philosophical level, do you think that, because I, I guess the question I want to ask is, why don't more people think that way, right? And, and, and that's, that's an easy question to ask. And as we try and answer it, is it because, like, in your situation, when you think about those women who are out there right now, the, the ones that maybe will be your future clients who you're helping, does it feel like because you have such a deep empathy for that, like you feel their pain, like you're literally suffering knowing that they're mm -hmm. suffering. And right. it's, and I say this in, in the, in the best possible way, like it is almost self-serving as well as serving them for you to help them because it relieves some of that for you. And does it take that for us to help people? We almost have to have that sense of suffering for ourselves to be willing to go help somebody. Does that make sense? I I truly believe that we do. We cannot relate until unless we've been to that same situation. It's truly a self-relief. It's a gratification. It's, 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 it's like I said, it's a therapy for me. Yeah. When I do that, don't don't get me wrong. I mean, I go through things every day. You know, you know, it 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 resonates in my mind and it plays like a story. Mm. You know, sometimes. However, once I see that I'm able to help someone. That story is no longer a negative story. Mm. It becomes a positive story. Mm. Just because we've gone out of the darkness and the trauma, that doesn't mean that we don't still experience what, you know, the, the pain. You know, that doesn't mean that we don't experience what we've been through. We've forgiven these individuals. We've let it go. However, forgiveness doesn't mean that we forget. Right. Forgiveness means that as, as long as I've forgiven you, I know that I can move forward with mm. my life, with what I need to do for myself. Mm. So it's a therapy for me in that time. I get that. And I wonder, like, maybe as, a, as an example, no, nobody in particular, obviously, but if you think about other peers that you have in your business, right? Maybe, maybe it's, let's, let's assume I was in your business. Let's say I was, I was in the real estate business. And I'm not out there trying to help women who are going through the things you're talking about. Is that okay? I guess like, is there, should there be a judgment there? Because on the one hand you could say, well, I've never been through it. So I don't have that same empathy. I don't have that same drive to help them because I just don't feel it the same way. And there's a part of me that gets that logic and says, okay, that makes sense. But then there's another part of me that says, well, that sucks. <laughs> like, I wish I could feel the way you feel and want to help people like that. That would make the world a better place if everybody could truly empathize with others and, and be driven to help them, even if they haven't been through it themselves. 
but is that too idealistic to expect that? Like, how do you think about that when you think about your peers who aren't doing what you're doing? Um, I believe that there shouldn't be any judgment from my peers because everyone is an individual and they choose where they want to do in their businesses and their lives every day. I don't think that anyone should feel bad that they're not going that, they're not focusing on that, what I'm focusing on. Again, it's an individual thing. You choose where you want to serve. You choose where you want to go. You choose how you want to perceive, you know, your business and move forward with your business in your life. This is me. This mm. is how I feel. This is how I want to provide my service. You provide your service the way that you want to, and I provide it the way that I want to do. Mm. I don't think they should feel guilty. I don't think that they should feel like, okay, they have to do that. This is me because I've been there and I understand. You can't do what you have not understand. You know, you can't do it. I do. How, how do you reconcile that though with like, what is the responsibility of, of an individual, right? And, and maybe this is getting to like the meaning of life or the purpose of life or whatever it is, or like, is there an objective good? But what is the responsibility of any one individual you think to, to do more, to help people that are suffering, even if they're not connected to them in any way? Is it that there is no responsibility there? Oh, yes, definitely. There is a responsibility. I believe everyone in this world should, you know, do good to others. And, you know, it comes back to you. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it rotates. I always tell myself that the world is round. Whatever you do good, it comes back to you. If you do bad, it comes back to you. There, but I don't think that she feel guilty for not doing that. Everyone should do good because it comes back. It's a spiritual thing. It's, it's, it's an individual thing. It's an inner thing. If you want to, just like everyone do evil because they choose to, it's mm -hmm. a choice. You get what I'm saying? Yes. However, but if you don't want to go that route or if you don't want to help anybody, there's no reason why you should feel guilty of not doing that. It would be nice mm. if you did. It would be nice if you provide that service or want to help individual whomever, whether it's homeless or someone that is handicapped or someone that has autism, it doesn't matter. That was, that's great or volunteer, mm. but you shouldn't feel guilty if you don't want to do it, but it's great if you do, because it just brings that peace within yourself to do that for someone else. Mm. Mm. What do you think is the, for people that don't get that, right? They don't feel driven to help people like that. What do you think is the missing piece there? Is it that they just haven't tried it and they just, they're skeptical of it and they're not willing to give it a chance to see the benefits come back around? Or I don't know, maybe I'll leave it open. Why do you think some people don't land there? I don't know. I don't think that there's a missing piece. Okay. I don't think that there's a missing piece because it's up to you what you want to do. You know, it's up to you or how you want to, how you want to be perceived in this world or what legacy that you want to leave in this world or how you want when you're, you know, you're being talked about or, you know, when people see you, they, they, would, they could recognize and say, you know what, this individual has a good heart. This individual did something, this individual, and it doesn't have to be recognized all the time. Right. It can be behind closed doors. Because whatever you do behind closed doors, eventually you think that no one sees, but someone sees mm. and your, your light will shine on you eventually. Mm. So I don't think they should feel guilty. I don't think that they should feel obligated to do anything. However, if you feel like you need to or you want to, it's an individual thing mm. because it comes back to you either way, whether it's good or bad, it comes back to you however way you see it. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So as you think about your career and where you're going, 
I, maybe you've had this happen already. What, what happens if you start to become really successful? Maybe, you know, I think you already are successful, but bigger opportunities start to present themselves, right? And we could make it up. Maybe, maybe there's commercial real estate type opportunities or just really high-end real estate. And it starts to come maybe in conflict, maybe, maybe it doesn't, but in conflict with that mission to help, you know, th these women in this particular situation. Have you thought about that and how you might navigate that and how you might kind of handle it? Um, I'd never want to lose sight of the purpose and the vision and the mission that I have. I'm a hands-on person in every way and everything that I do. I want to see, I want to be the face and I want individuals to see the face. Mm. So if for whatever reason, if I become successful, great. And if it's just a minimal success, that's fantastic as well. But I've always, always want to be the face of my vision, of my mission and my purpose and everything that I do when it comes to this business, because I want it to succeed. I will not leave it so someone else will have control of it. I want to be the forefront. I want to be the one that makes it work so they will see me. How can I be successful or create this vision and mission and have someone else run it and they have not been through the situation these women have been through? Mm. There's no way. Mm. There's no way. Then that, that, would, that, that would mean that I have lost my purpose. Now I'm money-driven instead of service and mission and vision-driven. I never want to be that. Mm. And I'm not, I'm not that way anyway. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. that seems to come through in this. So I think that's, that's, that, that seems on script, you know, part of the conversation we're talking about. So I'm not surprised by that. Is there ever a part of you though, particularly you, right. Who's been through some really tough times in life who feels like, you know what, maybe I deserve it though. Maybe I deserve to just be able to reap the benefits and enjoy this and the service side of it, the, the vision, the mission, that's, that's too much work. And I, I want to just be able to enjoy life more. Is there ever that narrative in your head or that conversation in your head? There's nothing wrong of wanting to enjoy the fruits of your labor. However, you can enjoy the fruits of your labor and still not miss the mission. Mm. And it's okay. It's okay to be fruitful. It's okay to make the money. It's okay to, you know, to be successful, but don't lose the mission. Mm. Don't lose the vision. Don't lose the service. Don't lose the reason why you started this business in the very beginning, which is to serve, to have purpose and to provide a service for individuals that have not been serviced mm. in a very long time. Mm. And one of the things that I battle with is the guilt and it's funny that you brought it up is the guilt of, okay, you know what? I know this have to make money, but I don't want to make money. And it's on these women, they have to close this deal. Mm. And I'm like, wait a minute, how do I do that? And I have to, I had to resonate that within myself and speak to other people. They say, it's okay. Mm. You can still help and provide a service, provide a mission, provide a vision and still make money because you have to survive. Mm. And it's so funny that you say that. And I don't want to lose that vision. I don't want to lose that mission at all, mm. but it's okay for me to thrive. It's yeah. okay for the business to um, be successful and make money because I still have to live, but I don't never want to lose that vision. Never want to lose mm. it because I am the forefront of my business and I am the face of the business. Mm. 
How do you do that very practically, maybe day by day, week by week? How do you ensure that you don't lose that vision? Because I can imagine when you're in the thick of it and you're working and you're working on a deal and there's paperwork and there's banks, it can be easy to just kind of get focused on that. How do you try and make sure that you stay focused on that vision? The reason why I stay focused and how I stay focused, because once I finish, I get a phone call Mm. from these women and they said, you know what, Immaculate, thank you so much for helping me because I've been through this person, that person, and this individual and this company, and they did not understand Mm. what I was going through and what I did. Even if I want to be boastful or be prideful or elevate my own self for, for a minute, but once I get that phone call or that mm. review that goes on Google or um, Zillow or whatever, and they let me know, I bring it down a notch a little bit. Mm. You know, I bring it down because they let me know that I have to be humble mm. and I've provided that help for them. And they feel at peace that someone understand. Mm. Someone understood them. And that is me. Do you think I'm going to ask a question, which maybe is. I think I know the answer to it, but I'm curious to hear you speak on it. Um, and I hope you understand where it's coming from. Let's say you closed a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. And the deal closed and there's two scenarios of how it plays out. Then one is you, you get your check, your commission check, whatever it is, you get paid, you feel good, but that phone call never comes, right? You never mm-hmm. hear from that woman. You never get that part of it or vice versa. Let's say you get that phone call and she's unbelievably grateful and appreciative and all that, but something happens, whatever, where, you're not going to get your cut of it, or at least the amount that you thought, right? The business side mm-hmm. of it doesn't come through. In your, in your, in your genuine, most genuine, honest feeling, like what's your reaction to that? Are you okay with that? Is it that that phone call actually is the more important thing and you really live and breathe that? Or is it like, shit, if I'm being honest, I needed that money. You know what I mean? And that's a real life thing. I think we all battle with that. So I asked it of you, but I think it's something for all of us to consider. It's okay if I don't get that phone call. It's okay if I don't get that commission that I expected. And I've been there, honestly. Mm. And it's funny you ask that question. I've been there. There's plenty of time. I didn't get a review. I didn't get a phone call. And the commission, neither one. And not only that, the commission that I thought that I was going to get, I did not get the full commission because I had to use half of the commission, some of the commission, to help them to close that property. And I've done that not only once, not only twice, but many times. Uh. And it's okay. But the gratification of helping is what brings me to the reality that I'm doing something great in this yeah. world. I think and- it's so important too, Immaculate, because, sorry to, to cut in there, but it touches on something you were saying before. I think that's the piece, maybe you're right, maybe something's not missing, but I'll only speak for myself. When, when I struggle with this, I think it's because it's not genuine, right? It's more aspirational. Whatever it is I'm doing, I feel like this should feel good. This should be the thing I do to help somebody or whatever, but it's not real for me. And that exactly what you're talking about, like that, that internal gratification and feeling of goodness, it doesn't come because it's not genuine. I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. It, it's not the thing that I'm meant to be doing in this world, whatever it is. And I think sometimes for people, that's what happens. They do a good act, but they, and, and it doesn't work out the way they thought that commission check doesn't mm-hmm. come. And then they don't get that good feeling because they weren't doing it for the right reasons. And they're like, ah, this isn't for me. I think a lot of it comes back to that authenticity of like, what is it for you? That you, What is your vision? What is your mission? Right. And staying true to that. You, you have to do a service without expecting anything. Yeah. Easier said than that, done, but it has exactly. to, you have to actually be okay with that. You have to actually be okay with that. A um, perfect example. Um, when, I, when I closed the property, um, I believe it was this year, last year, whenever, and I was talking to the client. She, um, she stated to me that 
I don't understand it, Michael. I said, what? What is it that you don't understand? She said, you are happier, more happier than I am in purchasing this property. And then she said, I don't understand. How can you be a realtor and more, more enthusiastic, more happy than me getting into the property <laughs> than I am? I said, but that's just who I am. I enjoy what I do. Yeah. I enjoy just you walking into that, 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 that house and putting that key in and I'm there with you and seeing your the smile on your face, yeah. seeing that you are happy. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just, it's just me. But I do whatever I do in the work that I do without expecting any reviews. I would ask for it. Sure. Without expecting any phone call, without expecting any gift or anything in return. But however, once you get into that property, and I know within myself, I've done all that I can do to get you into that property. I'm okay with it. I can sleep at night and I, it brings me that peace and that gratification mm -hmm. within myself spiritually to let me know that I've done my job. Yeah. yeah. I've done my job. Mm. Yeah. And and matter of fact, that review is online. <laughs> is it? <laughs> it's online. Yeah, it is. Um... As we're coming towards the end here, I, I want to ask, because there's such a contrast, right, in your story, when you think about, I think you said it was like 20 years ago, whatever it was, when you were in that dark place, when you were in that relationship, to where you are today. When you step back and think about that, and like what it means for life, what, what is your takeaway? Is it that life is just a crazy array of experiences, some good, some bad, and you have to make the best of it? Is it that there's an unfairness to it where you feel like I should have been able to be this happy all along? Like, how do you think about such a, such a stark contrast between where you were and where you are? Um, I'm going to be funny just a little bit, going yeah. back to the facts of like, you know the song, the theme song, they say, you yeah. take the good, you take the bad, yeah. you take the bar, and then you have the facts of life. Yep. The facts of it. life. So it's like, you take the good, you take the bad. It's like, you have to make it, you know, when life gives you lemon, you make lemonade. So mm -hmm. I took the good, I took the bad, and I made it into something that would bring me peace and mm -hmm. gratification at the end. I did not know at the moment that that's what would happen in the midst of my darkness, because it was a very, very dark place. However, once this, you know, cocoon became a butterfly, mm -hmm. something changed. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I made it. The, the, the bad, I turn it into a good, and then I made it into a business where I can help individuals. Mm. That's the only way I can put it, mm. you know, with the facts of life. Do you, you know, fear at that point? And I'm asking this as much myself. You take the good, you take the bad. Do you fear that there's another bad coming? Like, it, it, that's just life? Like, this is oh, good where I am? Yeah. No, that's just life in general, yeah. period. But we have to, it's the way that we react when the bad come. Mm. It's how we react to it and how we perceive it and how we internalize it. You know, that's, that's, the, that's the only way that I can put it is how we do that. Mm. And, and what is that? Like, what is it that allows us to react to the bad in a good way? I guess we're getting back to the beginning of the conversation a little bit mm -hmm. of the struggle in that. What, what is it that you figured out of how to handle those bads now? I started to run a lot. Mm. Okay, I do a lot of exercise. I do, um, I go to the, um, the gym a lot. And I become an avid runner. And when I run, it, um, when I run, I just have peace because my feet is hitting the pavement, mm. and I'm focusing on the run, and I'm focusing of not falling. Mm. That's that's what keeps me, you know, with when the bad come, immediately I just stop and drop everything, and I just go for a run or mm. go to the gym or go do something that will, 
you know, just release the, the um, endorphins in my mind that would bring me that peace. Mm-hmm. And then once I have that peace, then I can tackle the, the bad because I cannot tackle it when I'm agitated or when I'm flustered, or when I'm irritated or whatever, when I'm angry, I have to tackle it at the peaceful moment so I can have a peaceful answer mm-hmm. when that time comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe last question. I wonder, because in, in some ways, it's perspective, right? It's the ability for you to live life enough to say, when that bad thing happens, I don't need to just react. I don't need to just go on that emotion in the moment. For you, I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to find that peace. Then I'm going to make the decision. But as, as we can all imagine, at a younger age, you don't have that perspective yet. And I guess in some ways, what you're trying to do with your business maybe is to help women find that perspective so they don't have to struggle to get to it on their own. Give them a little bit of a nudge in some way that you can. Is that kind of how you see it? Because do you think it's hard, if not almost impossible for people to figure that out? Like you said, when you have no resources, you're isolated, you're disconnected. Is that really hard to get that perspective? You think? It is very hard. It is very hard to get that perspective because you don't know what to do. Your mm-hmm. back is against the wall. You, be, you, be, you are between, you know, um, you know, what, what is it? A house in a, in a, in a hard place? Or uh, a rock in a hard place. Yeah, yeah. A rock in a hard place. And you're just in the middle and you don't know what to do. So it's very, very hard because everybody's different. Everybody reacts to problems differently. Everybody reacts to, um, you know, situation differently. Everybody reacts to pain differently. Yeah. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So it's an individual thing. And when they feel, when they feel like they are alone, there's no resources, there's nothing for them, then it's like they give up. Mm. They don't want to be, you know, they don't want, they feel like they don't have, they don't have, they don't want to do anything anymore. So it is very hard for them. And it's an individual thing. You have to find that, that strength within yourself. Just like, just like you running a marathon. Let's say that at 25.5 of it, you want to give up, but you have to find like that strength to push you to make it, you know, to continue to finish that race until, you know, you pass that finish line and you felt that, you know, that completion, that peace, but not everybody can do it. Not everybody can lift themselves up out of that hole. You know, fortunately for me, I was able to do that. So it's an individual thing and not everybody can do that mentally. Yeah. 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 To your point, some people need help with that. And that's, Mm -hmm. I think where you come in, And I think what I appreciate so much about this conversation, among other things, is, you know, we said it, the authenticity of it, the empathy that comes with it. Like when even when you speak about the people that are in between that rock and the hard place and their backs against the wall, I can almost see it in your face and hear it in your voice. Like it it hurts you to know that people are in that spot. And if there's anything you could do to kind of help them to get in any whatever way that is it's like a calling, right? It almost sounds like it's, you, you have an obligation to do that if you can, not just because it's the right thing to do. It benefits you too, but um, you just, you just have to go and, and help them in whatever way you can. And that's, that's a cool thing. Yes. I, I would, I would like it to be something that's honestly to be well-known around the world because um, we don't do enough of that when it comes to, to us, mm. people like us mm. that has suffered, that has been through and I know that there's a lot of nonprofit organizations out there. There's a lot of people that wanna, that's, um, want to help them, shelters and everything else. But I don't believe in that aspect of it, of not only getting them into a rental, but getting them into, making them become homeowners and be mm. part of the society so they can feel like I have accomplished and I have something to give back to my family and to society, to my community. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. Mm. It's, a, it's a phenomenon. And I feel 
the gratification of providing that service. And I want it to be something bigger than just me, you know, because it's not about me. Mm. It's about them. Mm. So that's why. Well said. Well said. Immaculate. Thank you so much for taking the time thank you. for diving into this stuff, for thinking through it with me. Um, I hope for people listening, they, they enjoy, you know, not enjoy, but they, they like hearing your story, get some insights from it. And if they are looking to buy a home, I hope they reach out to you because it sounds like uh, they're going to be covered on all bases if they were to work with you. And that's, that's a good thing. So I appreciate it, Immaculate. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It was great when you contacted me and I'm glad to be here.